Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Then it's Rafinha. And here is Neymar. That seals the deal for Paris Saint-Germain. Play on a plate to him. Job done. Two for Neymar, three for Paris Saint-Germain. And we are going to have three teams on nine points at the top of Group H at the end of the evening. PSG take care of business at Old Trafford and beat Manchester United 3-1. Juventus win. Barcelona win. Lazio and Dortmund share the spoils. Olivier Giroud goes insane for Chelsea against Sevilla. We got all of that and much, much more as we recap Wednesday's Champions League action. We have Jimmy Conrad and Jonathan Johnson. Stay right here because Kegolasso begins right now. Hey everybody, welcome to Kego Lasso. It's Wednesday Champions League recap time. We got Jimmy Conrad and Jonathan Johnson to talk about everything that we just saw, including PSG's big win, 3-1 against Manchester United. Let's begin right there. Jonathan Johnson, how are you, brother? Feeling pretty great at the moment. Absolutely fantastic result. We all knew how much pressure PSG were under. So happy to finally see them showing their true colors. You know, a French team actually doing well in Europe. It's a rarity this season. Even for poor little humble PSG, it's great to see as well. Hey, I'm wearing the PSG shirt as well. So let's commemorate exactly what you just said. Let's begin with Jimmy C. Jimmy Conrad, how are you, my man? Well, I wish I was uh, bearded and French because I would have scored four goals against Sevilla in the Champions League today. And handsome. I should have added that in. Olivier Giroud doing the business. Didn't see that coming. And uh, I want to say rest in peace early on here for Tammy Abraham. I don't think he's going to be seeing the field anytime soon for Chelsea with Olivier Giroud putting out performances like that. But yeah, I'm doing well. And I think it's a good day to be French. That's all I'm going to say. Absolutely. I think it's always a good day, right? Uh, <laughs> I don't know about be- that. <laughs> That's so mean. Let's begin kidding. with PSG against Manchester United. Uh, a needed win, a good win against Manu at Old Trafford, 3-1. Jimmy Conrad, let's begin with your easy money. Uh, let's see the tips, the betting tips that you hit and following some analysis. Yeah, I'll start with this game. PSG Manchester United, obviously the one everybody wants to talk about. And I nailed it. I picked Neymar to score, PSG to win, and both teams to score, plus 500. I am a prediction god, and it's been confirmed. I appreciate it, Neymar. I knew that you were going to step up and have a big game. Obviously, uh, he stepped up and did do that. The goals, the first one was a little bit harder than the second. The second one was a bit of a chicharito tap-in. You guys know what I'm talking about, like in and around the six-yard box. I don't know. There's a lot to talk about in this game overall, but I'm just happy that, that Neymar did the business and uh, stepped up. I mean, that's why they paid to have him. He, he needed to show up in big games. I thought the first 20 minutes was maybe the best version I've seen of PSG. They were really going after it, really taking the initiative. And then as Man United got back into the game, then it was a little uneasy there for about 60 minutes. But yeah, once they, you know, Fred got that red card, which he should have gotten the 23rd minute and the 71st minute instead of the double yellows, that's when PSG took control again. Yeah, yeah. Let's begin uh, with that first half, JJ. Uh, uh, You predicted a few things specifically with the formation uh, uh, and how 
I guess the team was going to attack. They did. One of the things that I said earlier today was. Wait, I, does, that, does that make me a prediction god along with uh, with Jimmy if I got the formation? 1,000%. Welcome to the club, JJ. Welcome to the club. Yeah, you know what, JJ? Fine. You're also a prediction god. We need <laughs> We need some egos to be stroked here. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Absolutely. You're both my experts. You're both my legends. Listen, JJ, how did you see the beginning of this game, especially in the first 45 minutes? Oh, it was an absolute perfect start for PSG. Exactly what Thomas Tucker would have wanted to see from his team. Totally agree with Jimmy. Probably the most coherent PSG that we'd seen. Okay, they petered away at the end of the first half, but sort of that opening 20, 25 minutes was much improved from a lot that we've seen uh, this season. Uh, you know, you had that flash of magic, Kylian Mbappe, uh, you know, using his pace to open up the United defence. Uh, Neymar, I'd, I'd argue it was a, a clinical finish that first one. I liked it. It's, you know, not the easiest uh, chance to, to, to come your way, especially in a big match like that. He took it. Uh, you know, and I think that it's, this will do PSG such good. Uh, you know, the fact that they were able to build on that first half or rediscover themselves, you know, had to had to ride their luck a, a few times, uh, you know, over the course of the match, including in the first half. Didn't get the break. You know, Danilo Pereira has been very unlucky since arriving in, in Paris. He's been asked to fill in in defence, uh, you know, plays in his preferred defensive midfield position in this one, uh, you know, and unfortunately diverts the ball past uh, Kaylor Navas. But, you know, ultimately, I think Tuchel will be happy with the way that his side maintain their shape, uh, you know, from that first half, you know, because it would have been easy for them to lose their heads. Uh, after conceding the equaliser, and especially at the beginning of the second half as well, when United had a bit of a wave of pressure, but it's uh, you know ultimately you know the the big the big guns in this PSG side came up uh, came up good, and that start to the match really set the tone for for the remainder of the encounter. Absolutely. The Neymar goal uh, very early on in the sixth minute really set the tempo, at least for the remainder of the game, as we saw, of course. But Man United did have their chances and they did have their opportunities to do something. I mean, Cavani hit the crossbar. We had a few other uh, attempts. But let's let's focus a little bit on a few things here, especially in the first half, Jimmy. Fred, what's he doing staying on the field? First of all, I, I don't know the rules anymore. Like there, it was a headbutt. The ref looks at it on the monitor. How is that just a yellow? Nicolas Pepe had the same situation last time around. What's going it's not, on? It's not just a yellow. It should have been a red. I think that the referee took, and this is kind of what we want referees to do, in my opinion, in general. He was looking at the game sensibly. If I throw Fred out right now, this game's kind of a wash, and PSG will probably run away with it because they have the man advantage. That's not necessarily true, but I feel like he kind of looked at it almost like a fan, you know, let's just keep him in. Let's just see what happens at 11 v 11. I, I want to enjoy the game from that perspective. I wish they had that same type of attitude for handballs in the box. Like, come on, man, that wasn't really going to block a shot. That wasn't really an obvious scoring opportunity. It was a weird call. And I think because of that, he probably got an earful at halftime. And when the second half started, I think he was like, if there's any questionable, very questionable calls with Fred, you got to throw him out. And, and Fred's did. like, don't worry about it. I got you because I'm going to keep delivering. It's absolutely ridiculous. Ex exactly. And so the big question is, and I'm sure a lot of Manchester United fans are pissed, why didn't Ole Gunnar sub him out knowing that that was probably what was going to happen? I mean, Fred is always, a, he's already a walking yellow card. He's the Marco Verratti of, uh, of Manchester United. There's always a yellow card attached to this guy. But he got one from that. He's already like on thin ice. You got to take him out. Maybe let him play till 60. Say, hey, man, keep it. Just keep it smart out there. I'm going to take you off in 60 minutes, bring somebody else in. Big, big miss, I think, from Ole Gunnar not to recognize that.
Yeah, absolutely. And Jonathan, as we move on into the second half, you know, and the first half actually ended with a nice little bit of fisty hops uh, between uh, Scott McTominay and Neymar. Uh, there's a very, really beautiful photo right now that you need to see on Champions League cha- uh, uh, CBS uh, where like, Neymar on the ground. And- <laughs> Staring at I think, I think I think we all know we all know the one already. <laughs> McTominay's crotch, like what is happening? It's this game that of is, ours is it, sometimes it, it, so it's weird. Like, this is just how wild the Champions League is getting at the at the moment. I mean, throw Leandro Paredes into that as well. You know, he was a he was a glorious actor uh, over the ninety minutes. You know, he's really embraced the the void that was left by Thiago Motta when uh, when when he left. But no, you're you're right. You know, the the game, you know, could have. It was hanging on a knife edge, really, at the start of the second half. Could have gone either way. I mean, that Martial miss, uh, you know, along with Fred being dismissed, you know, that those are two of the, the the key moments in the game. You know, how he didn't manage to hit the target. Uh, you mentioned already Cavani hitting the crossbar as well. Uh, we saw Marquinhos, uh, you know, also hitting the woodwork before he finally scored. Uh, you know, it was it, it was wild. You know, that the whole of Group H uh, over today was 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 completely mental, but. You know, the, the the second half, especially after Marquinhos managed to prod home, the goal was validated, Fred exploded, uh, you know, got sent off. And, you know, at, at that moment, it was almost there where, you know, Tuchel had, had, won, the, had won the battle. And, it, and it's interesting because I was saying this in the build-up to the match, you know, PSG generally tend to play their best football or, or dig out the result at least when, when their backs are against the wall, especially under Thomas Tuchel. Uh, and they've done that once again. I mean, you look at some of the changes that Tuchel made, people were, were scratching their head when uh, he sent on uh, Mitchell Backer, uh, in the second half and you know a couple of minutes after coming on back and nearly scores it was a great save by De Gea so it actually could have been worse for for United at the end of the day the scoreline but uh, you know if I was a if I was a United fan I, I totally agree with Jimmy I'd be you know screaming at uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer for, for his decision to leave somebody like Fred on the, on the pitch after what we'd saw in the first half. So Jimmy I, we normally save questions to the end let's, let's begin right now we got we got a question right here uh, from uh, Peligroso. I know who you are, but don't worry. I'll call you on, on your Twitter name, uh, flash underscore Gordon24. How can you defend? How can anyone defend Ole Gunnar Solskjaer uh, after making that decision? Well, that's the hard part. The non-decision, I guess. But, but, but to JJ's point, the, the game was on the balance. And when it was 1-1, I was here speaking with uh, one of my buddies. We were watching the game that whoever scores next is going to go on to win it. Like, I didn't feel like there was going to be a comeback. It was whoever's going to score that third goal and make it 2-1 was going to go on to win. And United had plenty of chances. Uh, Martial had that chance. He has to put it on frame. He's got too much quality not to. Uh, the second one, everybody's scrambling after Cavani hits the crossbar. Martial has it again. He hits it right at Navas. Obviously, there's these hero defending and hero goalkeeping by everybody on PSG to, to make it happen. I actually like seeing that type of energy from PSG because sometimes I feel like they're lacking it a bit. I don't know if you can blame that on Ole Gunner, frankly. I mean, he put the guys out there to make plays, and if they don't make plays, there's only so much you can do. My biggest issue with him is not taking out Fred when he had the chance. Maybe bringing on a Van de Beek a little bit earlier, Van de Beek, excuse me, and and allowing him to give a little bit of a different look, try to maybe maintain a little bit more possession in midfield. They made some tactical adjustments. I, I remember saying this out loud. They were running shod on the right side. Uh, of, of Manchester Rashford was just like doing whatever the hell he wanted. And just, I mean, he had a tap. I mean, it's crazy. I was like, this is, there's some kind of tactic thing 
that PSG did not solve and were not prepared for at the start of the second half that Man United had unlocked. For me, there was something tactically there that Ole hit spot on. They just didn't score when it mattered. Then again, the Fred thing is for that's unacceptable. He should have taken him off. But I'm not as harsh on Ole on this one. I just think they missed their opportunities. Go ahead, JJ. I, I think that, I think the thing that was exploited uh, at, at the beginning, especially at the beginning of the second half, was that Tuchel took a big risk in playing three central defenders, placing Abdou Diallo out on the left. It was always going to be one of those gambles that I think either paid off gloriously as it ha- as it did, uh, or spectacularly backfired. And and the margin was so fine uh, between those two things happening. You know, it was basically all in play at the beginning of that uh, that second half. So you know, I do I do agree that. You know, perhaps, uh, you know, there should be less stick going uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's way because he did recognize, you know, certain certain opportunities to exploit uh, throughout the throughout the game. Uh, I just think that it's not so much about what's happened in this game with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. It's an accumulation of, of things over time. And you look at the lead that United had in the group at one stage, uh, you know, the advantageous position that they put themselves in and the position they find themselves in now, uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure on Solskjaer coming into that final round of matches, as great as it is for us uh, to see the group shaping up this way ahead of the final round of games. Yeah, and let's not forget, by the way, the only thing that I'll add uh, to what both of you were saying was that, you know, the thing is, is that they had their chances. Solskjaer can't control the crossbar hit by uh, Cavani. I think that Martial really should have put that one away. I think that could have changed the trajectory. The only thing that I maybe stand is that, I just, I can't shake off the Fred situation because, you know, okay, let's say that you want to keep Fred on because he is that kind of battle midfield kind of player that wants to disrupt the rhythm. But you you have Matic right there on the bench. Like, if you really want to hold that sort of controlling midfield that doesn't allow PSG to move forward as much, then you could say, well, I'm going to take Fred off and bring in Matic, especially in a situation when you can bring on five subs. Right. And to me, that's a situation where you could have really rectified if you didn't want to risk the, you know, the holding pattern and not have a creative player, at least till later, you have players to do that. But to your point, it's more than just a social decision on Fred. There's a lot more here. The Manchester United could have maybe just done. I mean, I keep going back to those uh, chances that they missed. And alas, you have a three one win for PSG. And my goodness, fellas, Group H is just kind of interesting for uh, it to say the least for the I'll final ju- match day yeah i'll jump in and say the manchester united still just need a point you know if they can get a draw in germany they're still in a power position here then they're going to finish with 10 points they have a much better goal difference than rb leipzig they're going to be fine they'll finish second in the group which then opens them up to potentially getting let's say bayern munich in the next round which everybody well, wants to avoid but let's look but, at the scenarios here jimmy because yeah. you have you have uh, leipzig have to beat manchester united they have to win that PSG host Istanbul Besiktas and all they really need to do is hope either Leipzig to win or PSG not to lose against Istanbul and they're fine. Manchester United just need to not lose. I think it also I think it also gets complicated in the fact that PSG's head-to-head record is actually better against uh, Leipzig now after the 1-0 win last week. They 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 they're ahead on what would be considered away goals which would make a, a Leipzig win and a PSG win next week, you know, very interesting in the way that that would uh, oh, God. shape up. Spell yeah. group H for group headache. Like that's really <laughs> like the problem right there. Any that's final good. thoughts on this game and this group? Who, uh, actually, let me ask you this. Let's begin with JJ. Who's coming out of this? I think it's hard to see past uh, PSG and United. Now, I agree with Jimmy. I still think that they're in a, uh, an, an advantage position. Uh, I just don't think that they would have 
planned on on having to be competitive at the in the final match of this group stage considering where they were a couple of weeks ago i still think that they'll go to germany and avoid defeat which will be enough to see them through uh, you know but this i think has the potential to be quite deflating on a on a united who have improved in recent weeks and you look at the comeback against southampton it seemed like they'd really turned a corner uh, and now uh, you know it's kind of back to the back to the drawing board i do think they'll have enough just to just to scrape through but you know, Leipzig are the ones who I feel are really going to be under pressure coming into those final matches. But, you know, there could also be a bit of complacency that creeps in on, on PSG's side, you know, thinking that they they come up against Basak here at home, uh, having done the hard work already, having overcome Leipzig and then Manchester United. So it's it's really, uh, you know, intriguing coming into that final week. Well, Dembaba has done it when he played for Chelsea against PSG. I wonder if he can do it against uh, when he plays for Istanbul. What I do you mean, think, Jimmy? Well, we saw it today. I mean, uh, Istanbul Bashakshi here fought back against RB Leipzig and, and almost did it, almost almost stole two points from RB Leipzig who were winning by two goals at 3-1. Uh, and we saw it yesterday with Mitchell and, and Atalanta. Like, you just can't sleep on the smaller teams just because they're smaller. You still have to go out there and, and do all the right things and have good disciplines and habits to get the results. I think PSG, because of their thirst and desire to be in the Champions League and be in the knockout rounds, that's how they see themselves in the mirror, JJ. You know, they, they're going to do, I think, everything they need to do to make sure they win that game. <laughs> I will say, though, with regard to RB Leipzig, this isn't the same RB Leipzig as last season. This is a different team. They're not as dominant. Um, there's some vulnerabilities there. They're not scoring. I know they scored four today, but, but you know, I, I still feel like without Timo Werner, they're just a little, maybe a little bit more predictable in the attack. What I'll say, though, is that they could go out there and win it because Manchester United have a lot to think about this week. They got West Ham this weekend, then they go to Germany and then they come home and play Manchester city on the following Saturday. So that's, that's a lot of tough games and they're not doing well in the league. Right. So, you know, these are these, there's a lot to balance here. So I'm kind of curious if we're going to be like high on Ole Gunnar again this week, or if we're going to be down on, there's no in between with Ole Gunnar. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does with this lineup and how the players respond to who he ends up selecting, but he's got the depth. He really does have the depth to go out there and get three wins in these three games, but it'll be interesting to see who they roll out for RB Leipzig. Yeah, the busy schedule in the Premier League it will be an interesting one. When we come back, we will talk about all the other games from Wednesday's action. Stay right here because we'll be back very soon. Welcome back, everybody. Here we are with Jimmy Conrad, Jonathan Johnson, to discuss the other games from Wednesday's Champions League action. Uh, let's talk about let's talk about Giroud. The beautiful man, Olivier Giroud, four goals. Was it a perfect hat trick and then a penalty? I don't know. I can't remember, but I know this. Chelsea beat Sevilla four, nothing. All four goals from the French forward. Jimmy, I got a question already and I want JJ to answer as well. Olivier Giroud, best looking forward and best forward. I think you already answered it, but why not talk about Giroud one more time? Yeah, he deserves it. Four goals in a Champions League against the Europa League winners. I mean, against a very stout defending team who's doing pretty well in La Liga that are well coached by Julian Lopetegui. Yes, we absolutely should talk about Olivier Giroud. You know, he's been trying, I think, what I love about him, let me say it like this. I love his patience. I love his professionalism. Even when he's not starting, he still goes out there when he gets his shift, when he comes on with five minutes left, or if he comes on at halftime, if he starts a game and he puts in a professional performance. And I can't say enough about what that says about him as a player and a person. And now he gets rewarded. He comes out, he's playing with a tremendous team, by the way, who are setting him up with some amazing opportunities and he's banging them home. And like I said, at the very beginning, I, I worry about Tammy Abraham a little bit because, uh, 
you know, this could be Olivier Giroud time for Chelsea for a little bit as Frank Lampard still tries to figure out who his best 11 is. But a really comprehensive performance from them. Disappointed a little bit in Sevilla. I thought we'd see a little bit more. Ocampos didn't play. I'm a big Ocampos fan. Uh, uh, De Jong didn't play. So they were not maybe rolling out all their starters. But I thought just because they're Sevilla, they know how to win these types of games, we'd see a little bit something different. But I don't want to take anything away from Chelsea. They're 15 games unbeaten at this point, and they are a runaway freight train. I don't know who's going to slow them down for a while. Yeah, Ocampos did come on a little later. Uh, El Haddadi also as well. Luke de Jong didn't play. Oliver Torres came in. Uh, that question was from Daniel Carell, by the way. JJ, Olivier Giroud, you know him, of course, as, uh, you know, uh, when you follow the French national team and report on them. Uh, you know, it's a big performance. Tammy Abraham's going to be having two eyes on this one. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with Jimmy there. I mean, Giroud is, uh, he's irresistible in every sense of the word. Uh, you know, I think he's, really, he's really lived up to the, to the challenge that's been laid down to him in recent weeks. You know, he knows the situation at Chelsea, he knows that he absolutely has to take every single chance that comes his way. Didier Deschamps, uh, you know, pulled no punches in his assessment of the, the situation at international level. If Giroud is not playing, uh, then there's no way that he can consider him for international duty going into next year with obviously the Euros to come at the end of the season. So, you know, to see him, you know, go out there and put in that kind of clinical performance is great. Uh, and I'll echo what Jimmy said. Jimmy was saying how he, you know, respects uh, Giroud's uh, professionalism, his, his work rate, uh, the, the way he always puts in a shift, keeps his head down, never says anything controversial. I think that's what's so refreshing about Giroud to, to French people. He doesn't share the same capricious attitude that a lot of young French players coming through seem to have, which makes some of them kind of dislikable, except for the fact that they're phenomenal footballers. Uh, you know, and Giroud is very much, you know, he kind of goes against the grain in so many uh, different ways. You know, he's the, the unfashionable uh, target man center forward that, that most people seem to think is, is extinct these days, uh, you know, but is still showing that he, you know, he has what it takes to, to do it at the, at the highest level. To be perfectly honest, it didn't surprise me that much that Sevilla rotated as much as they did uh, for this game, considering that both sides were through, but still for Giroud to go out there, uh, you know, and, and put on that uh, finishing masterclass that we saw, uh, you know, that, can't take anything away from him. It was, uh, you know, it was fantastic to see him in that sort of form in front of goal when he's under pressure week in, week out, whenever he gets a couple of minutes uh, to run around because uh, of, of his situation at international level. I just want to catch up the audience, JJ, about what Kareem Benzema said about Olivier Giroud, because if you can catch up everybody about the comparison of them and cars, this is, this is uh, hilarious to me. And I, I, if I was Olivier Giroud, if I score four goals in a Champions League game against a La Liga opponent, no less, where Kareem Benzema plays for Real Madrid, I would be running my mouth nonstop. Like, oh, wh what was that, Kareem Benzema? I, 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 would you call me like a midget car? What did he call him? What did he, what did he say about him? It was Benzema considers himself Formula One compared to Giroud's go-karting. <laughs> exactly. Which, go which, which has become very... Uh, you know, very, very popular on like the, the social media side of things since it was uh, since it was said. I mean, to be honest, that that evening when when Benzema came up with that, he was firing off all sorts of stuff. So Giroud definitely wasn't the only victim that night. But, you know, it was quite, uh, uh, you know, quite, quite scathing uh, of Benzema, particularly, uh, you know, for, for against somebody he used to be a teammate of. 
Yeah, absolutely. Hey, hey, listen, a very beautiful go-kart, by the way. Why should, <laughs> why should you ever get upset? Even if he has a bad game, he goes home and he's like, it's okay, I'm Joe. <laughs> he, he, he's, like the, he's like the modern day David Ginola. Yeah, it's yes. so true. Yes. It's so, yes. un- listen to me. It's so unfair to me that like it's the 87th minute and this man looks like he's about ready to go to like a ball or something. Like, <laughs> it's so annoying. He looks beautiful and he scores four goals. Olivier Giroud. Taking my hat off to you, my friend. You are to fill a oh, park in January. Give him all the minutes he needs. Absolutely. We'll be mesmerized by his beauty. Listen, we have to say goodbye to Jimmy very soon. So, Jimmy, I wanted to just give you the mic if there were any final thoughts on any game that we haven't even touched upon uh, from Wednesday's action. Well, well, let's put it under the context of my wagers. I had Shiro the Hero Immobile scoring anytime plus 120 against Borussia Dortmund. He did that. He takes the penalties. He got one and he does what he does. And that's hit the back of the net. That ended at 1-1. Erling Holland for everybody that might not be aware, the top young player just won the Golden Boy Award from FIFA as the top young player in the world. Uh, He's going to be out until January. The the date of that, end date of that, I don't know. He could probably use a little bit of a break. So we'll see what happens for him Uh, moving forward. I'm sure he's going to be fine and come back and score a bunch of goals. I do think it does hurt Dortmund though in the race for uh, chasing Bayern Munich for the Bundesliga. Uh, And then the other one I want to talk about is uh, Juventus versus uh, Dino Kiev because I had Cristiano Ronaldo scoring first at plus 200. I thought he was going to do it. And he scored second. And I just want to apologize to everybody that he didn't score first. I let you down in so many different ways. Federico Chiesa decided to score first. Ronaldo had a couple good opportunities like he does, but he scored second. And I just wanted to offer up my apologies before I go. Thanks for having me, Luis. JJ, it's always great to see your beautiful face. Damn you, Jimmy, for not, you know, predicting that Cristiano Ronaldo was I know, first. I know. <laughs> I apologize. I was trying to find the good value. That was where it was. But just he, like- see, he, is, he is mortal after all. Yeah, exactly. I am. I am. Prediction mortal. <laughs> prediction mortal confirmed, everybody. Prediction demigod, right? <laughs> Our American uh, Olivia Giroud. Jimmy Conrad, thank you so much for joining us. Jimmy will be back uh, again to talk about the weekend preview. So, Jimmy, thank you so much and have a great night, brother. All right. Thanks, guys. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, our American um, Olivier Giroud has left, but uh, our British, uh, who lives in France, Olivier Giroud is still here. Jonathan Johnson, JJ, let's get straight into it. Let's talk about Group F. Dortmund, Lazio Club, Bruges and Senate, St. Petersburg. Uh, Dortmund and Lazio, of course, going for those top two spots, but Lazio uh, only two above Club Brugge. Anything that you want to talk about from this perspective? Because it, it is an intriguing group. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously not the result that Dortmund would have wanted when you consider that Dortmund are a different beast playing at home uh, to away. They're going to have to go on the road to Zenit of all places. Zenit, who have nothing to play for now. Uh, you know, never nice having to go to Russia at this time of year. There's going to be no Haaland, who obviously, you know, is, is used to, to that sort of cold weather coming from uh, coming from Norway. But no, I'm, I'm intrigued by this one because Lazio up against Club Brugge has the potential to, to, to decide uh, second place in the group because obviously a, a, a Brugge victory would, would move them above the Italians. Uh, a draw will be good enough uh, for Lazio. <clears throat> but, you know, Dortmund would also, uh, you know, kind of uh, come into play uh, with it as well. I mean, they might lose out on top spot uh, and drop down to second uh, in the event that uh, Lazio win uh, and they were beaten or, or draw to uh, uh, away at Zenit. So it's, yeah, it's, it's very interesting to see how that one shapes up. I mean, you, you would still fancy Dortmund, uh, you know, to, 
to, to finish the job and, and finish top, considering that Zenit have been so poor uh, so far this uh, this group stage. But rule nothing out. I mean, you know, look at look at what we've seen this evening. It's very very difficult to predict. Uh, you know how how these things are going to pan out. It very rarely sticks to logic, particularly at this moment in time with uh, you know so many other moving parts. Uh, so. I'm, I'm keen to see how this one plays out. My, my feeling is that the Dortmund will get the job done and, and Lazio too, but, you know, never, uh, you know, never take, take these matches, uh, you know, the way they look on paper. It's uh, the way it happens on the, the pitch, the way it unfolds can be completely different. Yeah, it's not going to be an easy path at all, but I'm with you. I think Dortmund and Lazio will, will go through, but it won't be, you know, it's, it, as we thought, it, it wasn't going to be easy anyway. Let's talk about another one. Um, Group G, obviously Barcelona and Juventus are through, uh, JJ, but is there any chance Juventus can, you know, score seven and maybe <laughs> overtake Barcelona? How do you see that one as we wrap up this group uh, in match day six? Yeah, I mean, for for me, I don't, I really can't see a way that Juventus will finish top of the group. I mean, they can equal points with uh, with Barcelona, but I really don't see there being a thrash. And even with uh, Kuman trying to to arrest as many of his stars as possible, as they try to arrest their La Liga form, uh, I to be honest, I, I wrote about this uh, coming into this round of matches that I didn't think uh, the top spot or the Europa League spot would be decided in this round of matches. Uh, I, I didn't think that Juve and Barcelona would win as, as comfortably as they both did. Uh, but, uh, you know, I did think it would go down to those final two matches of uh, Barca hosting Juventus uh, and uh, Dynamo Kiev at home to Ferenc Varos. So the winner of, uh, of, of the, the Kiev-Ferenc Varos uh, match will, will go into the Europa League. I still think it's, uh, you know, it, it's impossible to, to see uh, you know, a way that Juventus go to Barcelona and score seven, even if it's Barcelona's B team for the most part. Uh, so you'd have to assume that even if they finish on equal points, it's going to be Barcelona going through top uh, and Juve going second. So if I was to, to pick uh, the, the the way that this one finishes up, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Juventus go and uh, get a narrow win uh, away at Barcelona. And I think that Kiev will have enough uh, to, to finish in the Europa League spot. Oh, and do you think Dynamo Kiev might have a good chance in Europa? I mean, uh, could be could be interesting for them at least. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a good question to ask. I mean, especially with Michel Luchescu, you know, a very experienced coach. Uh, you know, has won the the UEFA Cup before with uh, Kiev's uh, you know bitter rival Shakhtar. Uh, you know, I, th I think anything can happen. Uh, I I think you know, like um, Krasnodar, who who look like they're heading towards uh, the Europa League as well they will find the level, uh, you know, easier for them to, to deal with. They'll stand more of a chance in the games that they're coming up against, uh, as opposed to, to what they've been uh, paired with in the, in the Champions League group stages. It was a bit too much uh, for these sides, but, I, you know, I do think that, that, you know, they have a good chance of, of making a deep run depending on how the draw is, but they have to get there first, especially in Kiev's case. Yep, absolutely. Jonathan Johnson with all the input, all the inside information, all the knowledge, um, I'm so happy that you're here. I'm so happy that Wednesday's uh, recap is such a good one that filled with so much entertainment. Make sure that you go to cbsports.com because you can read a lot more uh, with Jonathan Johnson's work, including a great interview with Erlen Halland and so, so much more. Mitchell Backer, of course. Jonathan, JJ, thank you so much, buddy. 
Oh, thanks a lot for having me on. Always a pleasure and made even better when, uh, when, when PSG do get the win. So very, very happy with the way things have worked out this evening. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I want to thank Jimmy Conrad and Jonathan Johnson for joining me today. Don't forget, if you are listening to this on CBSSports.com, please head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave a rating and review. Drop a question. Tell us. Tell us how we doing. And make sure that you follow us on Twitter, Kegolasso Pod. Listen to us on Spotify and Stitcher. And we will see you very, very soon for more Kegolasso, including the weekend preview and much, much more. Have a great day.